Here the Turtle is presented by Toyota. Toyota helps you get the most out of your drive. Just ask a friend who drives one. Shop buyatoyota.com, Toyota's official website for deals, to find the Toyota that's right for you. Toyota, let's go places. It's Monday, April 6th, 2020, and Keith, under normal circumstances, we would be waiting and getting ready for a men's basketball national championship game on a Monday night. Unfortunately, that will not happen as sports have ground to a halt here. Um, It would hopefully have been one that the Maryland Terrapins would have been involved in in Atlanta. How cool would that have been? Oh, it would have been awesome. And, and this, is, this is a tough day. This is a tough one where it's really starting to hit home um, when, you're, when you're coming up on the, the dates that were, you know, positioned for those, those big games and those, those exciting things that we look forward to. So th- this, one, this one hurts a little bit um, to, to look and to think about the, the potential of what this team could have been. And now it's almost all kind of running its course where this would have been the last college basketball game. Uh, of the season uh, on the on the men's side the women as well on, on Sunday would have potentially been playing in a in a national championship game of their own um, but um, we can't bring you the national championship game we, we can't have the the game out there on the floor being played but we can take you uh, take you on a trip down memory lane with head coach Gary Williams our guest uh, this week Taylor yeah, we certainly can. I, I And having Coach Williams was a nice respite from thinking about how all sports w- was done. I think us and all college basketball fans, Keith, have sort of gone through these last three weeks with these little markers. Oh, this would have been the Tuesday of the first four. Oh, this would have been the Thursday when the first round started. Oh, here's, we would have been playing Sweet 16 games tonight. It would have determined regional champions today. And, so, and I think that's happened throughout sports um, as everything is ground to a halt here. But the fun thing we've been able to do, especially on social media, and I think this has been throughout sports, not only in college basketball, but you see it in all the other college sports and the NBA, that all of these different networks and social media accounts have taken us down memory lane to all of these incredible moments. I mean, I, I, I think I've watched archived games from every sport you could think of at this point because that's kind of all that's on. Um, we, we've seen it on NBA uh, TV. They've replayed a bunch of stuff. CBS Sports is just replaying national championship games, which in normal circumstance would be great. It just stinks when there's not actually a national championship game coming. One thing that was replayed was BTN replayed this game that we're going to talk about with Gary Williams, the 2002 National Championship game. And we've really, on Terrapin Hoops on social media, taken the fans down that memory lane from the first and second rounds to two incredible regional games, the Sweet 16 against the Tayshawn Prince-led Kentucky team, and then an amazing game against UConn. Um, it was led by Karan Butler. And now we are in that weekend of what would have been the Final Four. The National Championship game in 2002 was on April 1st, so we celebrated it that day. 
But as you said, Keith, now the Monday of the national championship game, we talked to Gary Williams, the legend, the Hall of Famer. There's no need to give him much of an introduction to Maryland fans. And one of the people we've wanted to have on this show for a long time. So we wanted to have Gary in person. Um, at some right. point, but to get him in this format was not bad. And we had about 25, 30 minutes of his time. And it was a great conversation. It's funny. We've you know come up with a bucket list of sorts of guests we'd like to have on the show. And Gary was always kind of there like, oh, we'll, we'll get him on sometime. There'll be some fashion or, or some some event that we can, uh, you know, kind of tie it back into. And um, what be- what better way to tie it in than the national championship anniversary, April 1st. So a few days out, but we talked to him the day before. That, that anniversary celebration, I think 18 years now since the, uh, the 2002 national championship um, for Maryland and a lot of interesting tidbits in there. Some things, some people may know they may have heard before some things not. I certainly learned a lot um, from getting, you know, 25 minutes uh, with Gary Williams. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, we'll never forget watching that game um, in my basement in 2002. Never forget going to, uh, to Halloween as Juan Dixon that year, Keith, mm, in an off-brand nice. jersey. Had that going on. <laughs> um, amazing uh, weekend for Maryland fans, and one that lives on throughout generations. And, and Gary Williams was the, the coach that brought that to it. And as you said, some, some great tidbits in terms of just going through the season. We sort of took it chronologically, and he, he talked about coming off the Final Four and the mentality of the team and then the, the closing of Cole, which I thought was a really, really interesting story talking about that and, and how really the team couldn't have played better to send that building off. And then the entire build-up to the national championship game sounded like Coach Williams was pretty nervous, as, you, as anybody would be trying to leave yeah. it alma mater to a national championship. And then we even talked about the next year. And I think an interesting story about the Drew Nicholas buzzer beetle that people want to hear. Why was Coach Williams so upset after his team won a buzzer beater? You will find out in this interview. And let's get to that chat with Gary Williams. As the University of Maryland celebrates the start of another athletic season, Maryland Athletics is excited to announce the launch of Terps 10,000, our campaign for a goal of 10,000 Terrapin Club members. Individuals who join the Terrapin Club during the campaign and become new members will receive a Maryland Terrapin Club branded flag to proudly fly at your home, office, or tailgate. All current members are eligible to receive a flag by donating an additional $55 to the Terrapin Club. Plant your flag at terps10k.com. We're back here on Here the Turtle with the Hall of Famer, the legend, Coach Williams. I'm not going to go through all the accolades. We'd be here all day. Coach Gary Williams, uh, the national championship winning coach men's basketball for the University of Maryland. Coach, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, uh, you guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, first of all, obviously, in some in some weird times here, Coach, with uh, all the coronavirus situation, I thought it was a really cool thing that you did a couple of days ago on social media um, at the behest of a governor to put out a PSA about uh, what people should do during this time. How did that sort of come together and how important did you think it was to use your notoriety to sort of get that message out to the rest of the people? Well, it came from the governor's office. Uh, they just called and asked if I'd do it. And I'd, you know, I'd be glad to do anything to help. I mean, there's so many people that are doing things that you know, put their lives in uh, jeopardy that are just trying to help the situation. So that was easy for me and did it for my house. And um, the governor was nice enough to put it up. And, you know, a lot of people noticed it, which was good. And uh, I got to wear my uh, Maryland basketball sweatshirt for the first time in a while. So (laughs) that was good. During this time, what are you doing with yourself? Are you are you watching games that they're that they're replaying right now? Are you are you watching other shows? What, What are you doing to keep yourself busy? Well, um, I'm reading a lot, a lot of books that you 
collect over the years that you really didn't get a chance to read, especially when I was coaching. And then, you know, the usual, yeah, you know, watch television, watch, watch some shows, watch some games, golf channel, things like that. And, you know, try to stay active, uh, get out and walk every day, uh, just to, uh, you know, it feels good just to be outside. You, you, you appreciate little things like that a lot more now. What's the current book in the uh, Gary Williams book club right now? Let's see. Right now I have um, On Due Process, the NCAA's Injustice for All by a guy named Don Yeager. It's not a new book. Um, it's just an older book, but it goes into, uh, I guess the theme of the book is how the NCAA favors certain schools or doesn't, you know, goes after certain schools. So um, it's interesting. You know, it's it's somebody's opinion, but it, but it's good. It's a good read. Coach, I'm interested. The the entire COVID nineteen situation shutting down, you know, the conference tournaments, then the NCAA tournaments, and how all that kind of shook out at such a, a fast pace. I mean, you know, looking back, you know, how do you think you would have handled a situation like this, where you know the NCAA tournaments canceled after you know months and months of, of, of hard work of getting a team ready to to compete in that level? How do you think you would have you know reacted to a situation like this if you were coaching? Well, it, it would have been tough. Um, you, you know, this never happened before. There, there's uh, the first NCAA tournament uh, game, final game, was uh, Oregon Ohio State in 1939. So, you know, all those years, you, you never had, you know, you just the NCAA tournament was there. You just assumed if you were good enough at the end of the year, you were going to get a shot at it. So, um, this is definitely a, a different thing, and you know, there's no there's no playbook on how to handle this. I think every coach has to handle it. Um, as well as he can. And, you know, you look at seniors, um, you know, like an Anthony Cowens or whatever, and, you know, for them not to get the opportunity to play when they earned it, uh, certainly, you know, is something that uh, it's not just this year, but that'll come up in uh, Anthony's thoughts, you know, 20 years from now, every once in a while, things like that. So it, it is, a, a, you know, a tough thing, but, you know, if it helps, yeah, yeah, there's there's no way to complain about it because if it helps the national picture, if it keeps more people, in other words, in Atlanta, there, there'd there be 60,000 people there. There'd be 20,000 at the regionals, things like that. And, you know, you can't have that right now. So, you know, it's a byproduct of that. And it's really tough. I, I don't know how to handle that. As you said, Anthony Cowan will have some unanswered questions. And, and you look at this this 2019-2020 team, uh, Coach, and they finished out with the Big Ten Championship, but obviously you never know where they could have gone. Where did you see their path taking them headed into uh, March Madness? Well, any anytime you're in that, the uh, NCAA tournament, your draw really is important. It, it has a lot to do with unless you're really good, you know, and so – Anytime you get into the tournament, you, you're you're very hopeful. We played in uh, my last tournament was 2010, and we were in a region. We we played Michigan State. They had Green, the guy playing for San Francisco now for the Warriors. And um, you know, if we would have beaten them, there was a big upset. Uh, Northern Iowa beat Kansas, and we would have played Northern Iowa to get to the Elite Eight, and, and then played Tennessee. And Michigan State did get to the Final Four. And if you ask Izzo, it probably wasn't one of his you know, better teams. It was a good team, not one of his great teams. And we had Gravis Vasquez and some other good players. And we played a heck of a game and you lose in a last second shot and you go home. And, and um, you know, maybe we ran into a, a very tough team for a second round game in the NCAA tournament. But you know, that, that's the way it goes sometimes. So that has a lot to do with it. 
and then your two your best players have to play well, like Cowens and Smith have to play really well, you know, for, to be successful in, in the tournament. You take things back to this year, coach, and and you you coming up on the anniversary of the national championship tomorrow. Um, and, and this entire week, what kind of feelings does that bring back for you each year when you sort of get to this point where you've had that feeling in 2002? Well, I remember how nervous I was uh, the, today, really, the day before the uh, championship game because you don't have much time to prepare and you're going to play a really good team regardless of who you play for the national championship. But I was really proud of that team because we, we didn't get any breaks talking about draws. We had to go through uh, – Wisconsin, Kentucky, Kansas, and Indiana to win it. And we were good. I mean, we, we had a veteran team back and, you know, we were deep and we, we had some size and, you know, great backcourt plays. So we didn't have many weaknesses, but every game we played, if we would not have played well, uh, we could have lost. And in fact, the game against um, Indiana, the championship game, no offense against Indiana, but Kentucky, uh, Kansas, uh, Connecticut were, were better basketball teams, and we really had to play well to win those three games. Coach, it's it's documented that after that that 2001 season, you know, you, you were expecting to give the guys two weeks off, but after a week, the guys were back, you know, in the gym working out, you know, conditioning for for the next season. And then another thing I read about, you know, that that summer before that 2001 2002 season, you know, in the Coalfield House during the pickup games, the guys were wearing shirts that said Atlanta 2002 National Champions. First of all, who, whose idea or who came up with, with that shirt idea? And uh, what did that say about your group that you know, they were that focused and that locked in on, on trying to um, you know, not just get to a Final Four, but win the National Championship? Yeah, well, don't put that one on me. <laughs> that came from, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's uh, Juan Dixon had that attitude, you know, that he was the best and you know, you couldn't beat him. And he Blake's in a quieter way was, uh, you know, the same, you know, rock hard attitude. You couldn't shake those guys. I mean, sometimes in practice, you know, you get into it pretty good. And, you know, just arguing with those guys, you know, you just want to tell them that just shut up for a while, you know. And, and, <laughs> but they, they they had this confidence, which was great, because when, when you get players like that, that you can't shake. In other words, you can say anything to them. You, you can tell them you're the worst basketball player I've ever seen. And, you know, they just look at you like you're nuts, you know. So that that's that's when you have a, a really good team, when you have that cockiness, but it, it's it's a fine line. You, you know every game. You still have to work hard. and You know, you're, you're, nobody's going to give you anything, especially being in the Final Four the year before. And I remember Midnight Madness back, back in the day in Cole Fieldhouse, you know, the fire marshals had to close the doors. We had, you know, it was crazy. ESPN was putting it on national TV. And, you know, I got the microphone in my hand and I, I, I told, you know, it was mostly Maryland students, but I, I, I told that crowd, I said, we're, we're going to win the national championship this year. And, I, you know, as a coach, you never do anything like that, but I kind of got caught up in the moment, but I really believed it. And I wanted the players and the fans to understand just how I felt about the whole thing, because we were good enough the year before we didn't get it done. Uh, we had a big lead against Duke in the semis and, you know, Duke did win the national championship. They beat Arizona the next game. And, they were really good. I mean, they, they had um, Jay Williams, who's on TV now, and, you know, Battier, who uh, took more charges than any guy 6'8 um, ever in the history of the game. And, you know, it, it just he, – he was a great defensive player. I think he was defensive player of the year back then. And Duke had a, a really good team. But, you know, we were good enough to win that game, and we just didn't get it done. 
you go through that entire season coach and the targets on your back all year, you're, you're in the top five, um, the entire season. And then you come to that last regular season game against Virginia, the last game in Cole field house, you close out in style with the win. You go undefeated at home throughout the season. What was it like for you as someone that played at Cole, got the opportunity to then coach at Cole, uh, to close out that building that way with really the best team in the history of the school. Well, you, you're you're really lucky to um, have played at a school and then come back and coach. In other words, I, I left to be a junior varsity coach in Camden, New, New Jersey at the high school level, and I was very happy to do that. I, I was going to be a career high school coach and, you know, was able to get an assistant coach at Lafayette College uh, and – you know, otherwise, I'm a high school coach. And so you, you think about all those things, uh, playing in Coalfield House wasn't quite the same as it was when I was coaching. We didn't have the crowds because um, <laughs> we weren't that good. But, um, you know, we, we uh, it was a great place to play. And then, you know, that day against Virginia, who was a good team, we were, I think we scored over 100 points. It was just a wild game. I remember that. And we had most of the living players back and Lefty was back. And, you know, guys like Tom Young, Tom Davis, who had coached there, you know, it was just a tremendous show. And, um, you know, just glad to be a part of it, you know, and to see the history of Maryland basketball. You know, sometimes, you know, I always thought about this. When we played uh, in a league in the ACC and you had Duke and Carolina in the league, I mean, they were almost every preseason top 25. They were in the top five. And so sometimes I think, and this is true of a lot of Maryland players that I've talked to over the years, they, they felt you know, sometimes like the, for Maryland to be put on the same level as Duke and Carolina it was difficult for people to do because they just assume Duke and Carolina were going to be better than us. And, you know, I'm sure that happened with Lefford as well. And I know it happened with me. So anytime you get the chance to beat those guys and, you know, have a better year than they did, you know, it, it's it, it's it, it was a big thrill. I went back and watched some of the end of that Virginia game on YouTube, and it looks like the arena is just essentially exploding for the final three minutes as you bring in Earl Badu, who scores points as a walk-on. Andre Collins hits the final shot um, in the arena. Was, was the atmosphere almost surreal in there as, as sort of everyone just kind of honored the old building in the way it should have been? That had to have been a pretty incredible moment. It was. And uh, back in the day, everybody brought their camera to that game. And I've got a picture of the referee uh, – tossing up the ball for the sort of game for the uh, center jump. And it looked like there's 10,000 cameras going off in the stands at the same time. And then what we did, we passed, we passed the ball down amongst so all the former players got to touch it from baseline to baseline. And then we had a student, you know, make the last shot and that ball was taken down to Xfinity, which we moved into in um, September of uh, 2002. Um, you, you go through the tournament and, and you talked about it a little bit earlier, an incredible run, especially from the regional semi, the regional final and the final four to play that Kentucky team with Tayshawn Prince, UConn with Karan Butler and all their talent. And then Drew Good, and Nick Collison, Kirk Heiner for Kansas. But specifically that UConn game, I remember watching that as a kid. That is an unbelievable basketball game. Just the pace of it, the amount of talent on the floor. What was it like for you to coach in that game where obviously you're on the you're on the other end of the sideline from another Hall of Fame coach and then you have all that talent. You're trying to stop Karan Butler becomes a great NBA player. Take us through that UConn game specifically and what that was like to coach in the carrier dome. Well, what was um, interesting about that game, we had played them earlier uh, in the BBN. There used to be a BBN tournament uh, downtown in D.C. And, and we had played them and they, they were young, but they I could just 
you know, you, you, you watch teams during the year and you could see Connecticut just getting better and better all the time. And, you know, the thing I remember right before that game, you look out in the court, you didn't know it right then, but there were eight NBA players, four from each team that played in the NBA uh, eventually. And so you either uh, were tough enough to be on the court in that game because it was, in addition to being very quick, it was very physical. No, nobody, you know, Lonnie Baxter doesn't back up to anybody at Chris Wilcox. Tosh Holden, people like that, you know, they're tough people. Plus the guards were great. Karan Butler didn't do much the first half. And Byron Mouton was as good as any defensive player in the country that year. Uh, he was our glue guy. He could guard 6'9", or he could guard six feet if he had to. And we put Byron on, on Butler, and uh, Butler had 26 the second half against us. And we were good defensively, but we couldn't stop him. And we just had to... Um, you know, just really do a good job offensively because you get into that once in a while. You know, you always talk about defense, but if you can't stop the other team, you can still win the game if you score more than they do. And that's what we had to do in that game. And down the stretch, Juan Dixon hit a big three, and then Steve Lake hit a big three to put us up uh, in the last couple of minutes, and we were able to win by nine. But, you know, we just made some free throws to uh, win that game because that was a very close game. Coach, you, you beat UConn, you go on to the Final Four, defeat Kansas, and make it to National Championship uh, Monday in Atlanta. Walk, walk us through that day, that, that lead-up to tip-off um, before the National Championship. Did you just keep it to the same routine you always had? Was there anything different? Was there anything you remember you know, for, from your mindset that day? Or did you try not to think about it and just treat it like another basketball game? No, it was, it was, it was interesting because, uh, the Sunday in between the Saturday and Monday games, it was Easter. So some people went home and came back, uh, for the game. And so what we tried to do was keep it the same as much as possible because we knew by then, you know, after beating Kansas, who was, you know, they were picked up higher than us, I think going into the year and they were really talented. We knew we were good enough to beat, um, Indiana, but we had to do it. And, you know, you're, you're playing the last um, four teams we played, Kentucky, Connecticut, uh, Kansas, and then the fourth would have been Indiana. They had all won national championships. Their fans had all been there before, and that means something. You know, you, you could just see in our fans, I, you know, that you saw in a hotel that day or whatever, this apprehension because, you know, this is uncharted territory, never been there. That's just like the Final Four the year before. So, uh, it, it was difficult to get ready to play that game, and we were nervous. I mean, we we did not play – we played good defense most of the game, but we did not play our, our best offensive game in that game. And um, But that that's why we were a good team. You know, we found a way to win that game, which, you know, maybe some teams in that situation would not have won that game because we didn't have many guys. You know, Dixon had a great game, but everybody else was kind of off their game, and um, we had to really uh, stay tough. It, were you were you surprised to see Indiana make it to that that final? You know they were a five seed. They had to had to get through uh, number one Duke in, in the South region. Um, you know what, what was your your kind of opinion of them? You know coming into that, that final four, and then when you know you're you're matched up against them in the in the national championship. Well, you know you don't really pay that much attention until you get to the final four and see who's there. It's just like going into a region. You know you just worry about the guys you're going to play. But Indiana was good. You know they they had a couple guys that played had long careers. Collison. Uh, had a long career and their guard uh, was a very good player for 10, 12 years in the NBA. So it wasn't like Indiana wasn't any good. I mean, they, they were a good basketball team, but I remember like early in the game, I think it was Collison drove the middle and Wilcox basically caught it and threw it out there half court when uh, 
Carlson tried to shoot. And, you know, and that we had an intimidation factor that year. We were one of the biggest teams in the country. And, you know, we could go forward deep, including uh, Taj Holden and Ryan Randall, not miss a beat inside. So we never had to worry about really foul issues uh, inside. So we could beat up on people pretty well and play very physical. And back then you could play physical, you know, they, they let you go pretty good. And, you know, so we were able to stand our ground against some pretty good teams. In that game against Indiana, Coach, you talked about you weren't playing great offensively, but you take a pretty commanding lead in the first half, and then Indiana, Indiana makes the run to take the lead with about 10 minutes to go. I went back and rewatched that part. They throw to a shot of you, and you're sort of crouched on the sideline, but you don't look like there's any lack of confidence. Then they come back down, and Juan hits the three to put you guys ahead um, for the rest of it. Did you just never waver in confidence with that team when they were on the floor, even when they weren't playing their best basketball, especially, you know, the biggest game they could have played in there in the national championship game? Yeah, by the time you get there, we had done gone through enough tough things and won enough games where it didn't look good for a while on certain games and, you know, came back and won. In fact, the game before against Kansas, we were down like early, like 13 to three or something like that uh, early in the game. So, you just, you just hope that you, you get to your level, you know, and that's the big thing in the NCAA tournament. You don't have to play better than what got you there, but you have to play to your level because you're going to play some teams that are playing pretty well. And we got it going enough to score. And we, we really, we were up 13 with, you know, five seconds left in that game. So we did a pretty good job once Juan hit that shot. And, you know, there's no surprise, you know, for me that Juan hit the shot. I mean, you, you look at his career. Nobody ever had a career like that at the University of Maryland. Nobody ever won games like Juan did, made big shots and things like that. So uh, I was really, you know, when you have that in your back pocket, when you have a Juan Dixon in your back pocket, that, that that's a reason you have a lot of confidence as a coach. Speaking specifically about Juan, I saw a clip of the celebration. And and there's this moment where with you and Juan where he gives you like a playful slap on the cheek. I don't know if you, you remember that one, but you're up on the stage or with the trophy and then he walks away. For you and the relationship that you had with him, to celebrate the title with him, obviously you're happy for everybody, but specifically with how you interacted with him, what was that like um, to see him hoist the trophy? Well, it, it was really special because in high school, you know, everybody knows the story. His parents died when he was 16, and um, he was very shy. I think that, you know, sports, Juan could throw football pretty well. He could play baseball pretty well. His he was a good athlete, but that was, that was his escape, I think, um, because he was different. He didn't have his parents. And so um, he went from being that shy kid to gradually, and this is what college can do do for all people, not just basketball players. But one went from being a shy kid to somebody by the time he was a junior, you couldn't get him away from the microphones. You know, he always wanted to do the, the media stuff with uh, all that. And. Um, it was just great to see. Now he's the head coach at uh, Coppin State and, you know, really, really living a good life. And, um, you know, I'm really happy for that. But, you know, you, 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 you really give guys like that a lot of credit. In other words, Juan was I, I still have the article from the Baltimore Sun when we signed him that, you know, like basically the article was, why did you sign him? He's too small to play in the ACC. And. You know, a lot of times guys, you know, I was reading something on uh, uh, Curry the other day, and it was the same thing. Curry was like 5'8 coming out of uh, high school. And, he, you know, coaches, we're all guilty of this. You, you, you can measure size, you can measure strength, all those things, but you can't measure the guy's heart. 
And nobody had a bigger heart than Juan Dixon. And that, that's what made him so difficult to play against because he could miss 10 shots and he knew he was going to make the 11th shot. And, and that's just the way he played. And that gets, when, it, when it's your best player like that, that gets through to the other guys too. You know, they, they start believing in themselves. And, you know, we, we just had a team that um, we, we knew we worked hard enough to have a chance. We didn't know we were going to win it, but we worked hard enough to know that we had a chance. Coach, you mentioned you know, Juan Dixon there going into the coaching ranks now at the, the head guy at Coppin State and several of those guys from that 2002 National Championship and, and a lot of your players, you know, still involved in, in the game of basketball. Steve Blake with the Suns, Taj Holden, you know, coaching in high school, Drew Nicholas, a scout for the, the 76ers. You know, what kind of pride do you see uh, or do you have for, for you, your guys who uh, you know, continue to make basketball part of their life uh, professionally? Well, that's you. You want that for your players. You, you know, the the basketball thing is four years maximum in college, and so now you you watch them as you, as you get older, as you coach for a while, you you see your guys and see if they are successful, and and it's just great to see. I mean, you can go right down the list on that team. Um, Mike uh, Grinnan, for example, is uh, he runs the St. Louis office for New York Life. Um, He's got 100 people underneath him. Uh, Taj Holden's a stockbroker in addition to coaching uh, Rainy High School in northern New Jersey. Uh, Drew Nichols is a scout. He uh, plays assistant coach. Uh, you know, you, you, you go right down the line with those guys. And um, it's nice that they're in basketball, but I think they'd all be successful in whatever they did because they were competitors. And uh, they could keep their care of each other and make sure you know, we stayed in the moment of what we were trying to do. Coach, we were going to mostly keep this towards 2002, but I have to ask one self-serving final question here. In the next year, in 2003, Drew Nicholas hits that famous game-winning shot to send you guys to the second round. I've always wondered, ever since that happened, when I watched you live as a kid, why were you seemingly so upset after he hit the shot as uh, um, when you were sort of like rolling to the scores table? What was going on there? <laughs> Well, back then, uh, replays weren't as sophisticated. And this one referee, we had a game. This goes back to when I was coaching at Boston College in the 80s. We had a game at Indiana, in fact, um, that was taken away for us. They called goaltending on us. And it was the Indiana player's hand that went up through the, uh, the basket to the rim to knock the ball off. And that was the same guy. And so I didn't trust him. I had this, you know, coaches don't forget certain things. I don't remember everything, but... <laughs> I remember that, and that's why I was, I was upset with him because there was no, you know, it was right in front of me. Drew made a shot, you know, I was I could have touched Drew uh, where he shot from, and you know, it, it was easily off with, with a whole second left. It wasn't even close, uh, like you see some some of those shots. And so for the referee, I think he wanted a little camera time over there scores. <laughs> I just suggested that maybe we should just get out of there because we won the game. I'm sure it was a very nice suggestion. It was. It was, <laughs> I was very polite. <laughs> One of the great shots in, uh, in Maryland, March Madness history. Coach, we'll get you out of here in a little bit of rapid fire first. And you touched on a little bit, but what's the main show you're watching right now to uh, fight off some boredom? Non-sports is The Office. Ah, great ah, one. It's classic. That Go always on. works. Uh, coach, how about the, the artist or you know, musical artist, performer you're listening to right now uh, when you got to shut everything off? Um, what artists I like right now, there's an old group uh, called the Cowboy Junkies. I like quite a bit. I'll listen okay. to them once in a while. I got to check them out now. I like that. 
And then you, you finally, your favorite home cooked meal uh, that you're having right now. Normally, we ask people on the show what their favorite place to eat in College Park is, but now with no one able to actually get out and eat, what's your favorite home cooked meal? Well, uh, this is based on the uh, ability of my wife to cook, um, which I can't say anything or else I'll get in trouble. But <laughs> the, uh, the, the best um, home cooked meal. I would say some kind of pasta. I, I like pasta, nice. you know, typical sausage or meatballs, whatever, things like that. Pretty simple. But, um, you know, now it's incredible because you, you get used to going out to eat, you know, and you, you forget, you know, how much you miss that. You know, just, just that I'm, you know, fortunate enough to be able to go out and eat. Well, that that's gone, you know, and who knows how long that's gone for. But, you know, it's worth it if, you know, if we can get this thing under control. Absolutely. Make sure to, uh, Turp Nation, make sure to send uh, Coach Williams your best pasta recipes and we can, uh, can start working yeah. stuff up yeah. over there. Um, Coach Williams, thank you so much for your time. Make sure, Turp fans, that you know, you're on the DC Coaches Podcast a little bit. You make some BTN appearances. Make sure to check out Coach Williams and all of his media appearances. Uh, thank you so much, Coach. I know me and Keith as two alums love everything and appreciate what you've done for, for our school and, and the 2002 National Championship, such a big part of our lives as well. So uh, thanks so much for joining us and uh, stay safe during these uh, uncertain days. Yeah, you guys stay safe too and uh, thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Back here on Here the Turtle and Keith, as we said, just a fantastic discussion with Gary Williams. Amazing. I, I didn't know this until you did the research and then we talked about it with him. The team wearing 2002 national championship shirts going into the season, Coach Williams made sure that was not his idea. He wanted that was very, but an amazing. But he mentality. did say at madness he came out and yes. told the crowd, "Hey, we're going to go win this thing this season." Uh, so a he he was feeling that confidence as well. A very very famous clip, and then they went out and lost to Arizona uh, early in the season, and then they had to sort of build back up. A really an amazing run. Uh, ESPN put up a stat. Last night, they were, they were ESPN Stats and Info. Maryland, the only team to beat Kansas, Kentucky, and Indiana on the road to a national championship. Three programs in the top 10 all-time of wins in the history of college basketball. There were no layups on that road, and, and what an amazing ride. And, and make sure to go back, and you can find all of these games and clips on YouTube and things like that if you've got time to kill, especially if you're a younger which, fan. Which you do right now. now. Which you do right now, and we do, which is why I've, I think I've watched the Justin 2 National Championship <laughs> like 40 times yeah. the last two weeks. Um, you certainly have that time to do so. So thanks once again to Gary Williams for joining us. Two great head coaches, in a, three head coaches in a row for us, Brenda Freeze, Michael Oxley, Gary Williams. Absolutely love that. Our senior spotlight for this week, as our man SVP is doing each night, we're going to take a Maryland senior and honor them. Um, today it's the vaunted women's lacrosse team, which obviously had their season cut short, as all these teams did. They were 3-3 three and three at the point of, of their departure from the season, coming off a national championship, and we're sort of rejiggering the lineup a little bit, but we know Kathy Reese would have probably had them Memorial Day weekend into the Final Four, even with a little bit of an uneven start. But one of their stalwarts, Keith, that just recently announced she will not come back, which would have been a sixth year for her, is Megan Darty, Two-time national champion, uh, Taylor, and never lost a Big Ten game. Man, uh, what an awesome accomplishment that is. 90-7 career record. She was three-time academic All-Big Ten honoree. I think she uh, got an honorable mention All-American uh, plaudit this spring, kind of an abbreviated yes, season. Shortened All-American. Yeah, inside lacrosse still trying to find a way to honor those players that had such a great season. Um, so still still getting a nod there. And uh, like you said, she, you know, very heartfelt uh 
kind of sign off message um, as she is, is kind of taking on the next next chapter in her life. I think going to grad school for occupational therapy. Um, kind of yes. keeping that in, in the purview as the next thing. Um, but somebody who meant a lot to this program, obviously, and, and um, it was a major part of, of getting them uh, to those two national championships. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And a really classy message that she put out on on social media. And as we've talked about with that women's lacrosse program, there's just such a family atmosphere that happens there. And it's got to be a tough one to leave. But as you said, grad school for occupational therapy, Keith, going to be providing some valuable service to the world right there. Um, and, and what a career, both academically and athletically for Megan Darty, a perfect person to honor in our senior spotlight. So congrats to Meg D, as they call her in that program, um, and the rest of that senior class that has brought national championship tr- trophies home to Maryland. Can't do it much better than that. So that's enough for our senior spotlight. Shout out to Meg and, and the rest of the stuff that she does. She's going to be very, very successful. Another senior spotlight that we had, Elliot Zoner last week, yes. a really cool story on umterps.com this week is Elliot sort of tells the story of being told their season was over and that he's got to make a decision now with this year of eligibility he can take or he goes off to a job that he has lined up. Really interesting times right now for those seniors that now have the ability, the NCAA has given them the waiver to, to get an extra year of eligibility. There's so many things involved that go on with that program, the program, school to school. We could do a three-hour podcast probably just on all the ramifications of that, but on a human level, an incredible incredible decision for some of these people to have to make no doubt do about I come it. back or do I not come back or do I go forward so make sure you go read that um, put together by our man Hunter Dortenzo in our office shout out to him did a great job telling Elliot's story and helping him craft that in Elliot's own words there um, some great stories coming out of umterps.com right now as we sort of throw some stuff out there for some of these senior athletes Keith uh, no, no doubt about it. And every Friday, you know, kind of keep your uh, keep your eyes and ears out um, as those roll out on social media and umterps.com. Um, so some good ones coming up um, in the uh, in the next few weeks. So uh, hopefully Terp fans who are looking for an escape from um, the realities of what's going on uh, can turn there. Yeah, especially this Friday where the Feature Friday may have something to do with next week's guest on this podcast. That is the tease we will that, give you. There, and there it is. The Turtle. And that is enough for Hear the Turtle this week. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at Hear the Turtle on Instagram, at Hear the Turtle on Twitter. Sneds301 for Keith. I think I flipped that, Keith. I think I went Instagram to Twitter. I think that's the first Instagram uh, pre uh, mention well, before Twitter. That's where all the kids are now. So I, I, I'm just trying to try to make sure they hear it before they turn it off right before I say the other thing. You and I both know what the kids are, are interested in these days, yes, right? Yes, we, we, yes, we're, we we're still uh, we still with it, right? Yes, I think so. I think so. Uh, Taylor Smythe 10 for me on Twitter. We will see you next week. And Keith? Go Terps.